Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of Hey Jewel. I am. How you doing? I'm good. I will never forgive the internet for what went down with Rihanna this week. You know what's so crazy about it, though? Last week when we were recording is when the Vogue shoot first came out. Like while we were recording, I said to you, holy shit, Julie, Rihanna's on the cover of US Vogue. And then what, three days after that is when this whole thing took place. Did you believe it right away or no? I did not believe it. Honest, I'm happy to say genuinely, I did not believe it. I didn't either. And I have the receipts to prove it because everybody texted me. I want to get into this immediately because... I think that it's important to understand the way that this spiraled into what it was, and I almost want to do a little bit of a timeline. Is that good with you? That's great with me. So this all started last Thursday with one tweet, and it was tweeted by a writer by the name of Louis Pisano, who actually, about a month ago, had a feature in Interview Magazine, and the title of the article was, Meet Louis Pisano, Instagram's Messiest Fashion Influencer. So Louis tweets, Rihanna and ASAP Rocky have split. Rihanna broke up with him after she caught him cheating with shoe designer Amina Muadi. ASAP and Amina is not new, though, as she was seeing him years ago and also collaborated with him on a collection of shoes. So for anybody who's unfamiliar with Amina Muadi, she is a very well-known fashion designer, and she's worked with both Rihanna and ASAP. So in 2018, Rihanna hired her to design footwear for Fenty. Their first collection launched July 2020, and then in December of 2020, she worked on a collection with ASAP. So she knows both of them personally, she's worked with them professionally, and honestly, we'll get into this in a minute. I think that that kind of contributed to the internet believing this so quickly because it's not like she's a random person. She's somebody who is connected to them. And funny enough, the day before this whole thing happened, she posted a photo of Rihanna on her grid because Rihanna was on a night out wearing Amina Mawadi shoes. So that definitely contributed to all of this as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, this takes off like wildfire. I would say, what, about 24 to 48 hours of chaos? Absolute chaos, yeah. And it and it right away it took off too. There was no like period of anybody trying to fact check this. It was like people saw that tweet and fucking ran with it. So then Louis, who was the writer that initially tweeted this, posted and said, Hi all, so I'd like to address the situation. Last night I made a dumb decision to tweet some information I had received. I'm not gonna talk about sources, blame others for a discussion that was started, etc. Because at the end of the day, I made the decision to draft that tweet, press send, and put that out with my name on it. So I'd like to formally apologize to all parties involved with my actions and for my reckless tweets. I fully accept the consequences of my actions for my tweets and any harm they caused. I have no excuse for it. I've been way too wrapped up in Twitter drama and unfortunately leaned into being messy as a brand, which is something going forward I'm going to move away from. I'm going to take some time away from Twitter to figure out what that looks like and how I can start using my platforms better as I've gotten away from using them for more positive work. Again, I apologize to them for this unnecessary drama. And then Amina posted on her Instagram story and said, I've always believed that an unfounded lie spread on social media doesn't deserve any response or clarification, especially one that is so vile. 
I initially assumed that this fake gossip fabricated with such malicious intent would not be taken seriously. However, in the last 24 hours, I've been reminded that we live in a society that is so quick to speak on topics, regardless of factual basis, and that nothing is off limits, not even during what should be one of the most beautiful and celebrated time in one's life. Therefore, I have to speak up as this is not only directed towards me, but it is related to people I have a great amount of respect and affection for. While Rhea is continuing to live her serene, best-dressed pregnancy life, and I go back to my business, I wish everyone a beautiful Easter weekend. So that happens. TMZ comes out and says it's entirely false. And then on Saturday, ASAP and Rihanna were photographed together arriving in Barbados. But this was an absolute whirlwind for something that really started with no photos, no facts, no proof, just one single tweet that took on a life of its own. This is definitely not the first time that the internet has taken cheating rumors and really ran with it. I do feel like, though, usually when this happens, it's like these, you know, conspiracy theorists on Twitter, people who are really digging for information. Like, I remember there was a whole thing with Travis Scott maybe cheating on Kylie, and there was a specific picture of a shoe that they had matched up. Like, that type of stuff where really people dig deep into timelines and specific photos and really try to expose what they think they found. I would say this is maybe, not definitely, but maybe one of the first times that I've seen a cheating rumor like this have so much like fire behind it without absolutely any proof, evidence, nothing. It was just one tweet that really took off. I know. And I was thinking about the factors that contributed to that in terms of the spread. There's obviously a bunch, but for me, number one, it's the fact that they are both so famous, both separately and together. Second of all, The fact that Rihanna's pregnant, which of course, if this had turned out to be true, it would make it even additionally more devastating. But in terms of getting people on board and really riled up and just this collective anger towards ASAP, I think her being pregnant contributed to that. And then honestly, and I'm trying to think the way that I want to phrase this because I know for a lot of us, like people like you and I, we love them together. We think it makes so much sense. They are such a power couple. But As a figure, Rihanna is one of the most adored people or celebrities probably in the world. And there's always this kind of general sense that no one is good enough for her. And I think because of that, people were kind of quick to jump on this bandwagon of like, God, ASAP, you really fumbled here. Or you had the shot with Rihanna and you screw it up. You know, there was this whole sense of like, I knew he wasn't going to be able to keep her. That, That kind of energy, because people view Rihanna as so untouchable because she is, that I think it's a hard pill for people to swallow that she could possibly be with someone who is deserving of her. I don't know if that translates, but I totally saw that when I was reading a lot of the commentary online. No, you're 100% right. All three of those points completely stand. The last one, though, is I think really it. You know, there's this concept I think that people talk about all the time. Most recently, I would say applied to Jack Harlow in terms of being like the internet's boyfriend, quote unquote. And I don't know if you always see that with, quote, the internet's girlfriend. But if there was one person, hands down, every single time, it would be Rihanna. And so I think that the way that the internet specifically, not just like pop culture, but like the way the internet specifically reacts to Rihanna and any news about her. I think you just saw that in full swing. And on top of that, it can't be ignored. Like the Rihanna and Drake situation is maybe one of the most memeable relationships or ex relationships in Hollywood. And so anytime something like this happens, there's that door already open to jump on the bandwagon of jokes about that. So it almost created the perfect storm. Like when you really break it down, you see how it happened and how this really went crazy. But I still have to say, like, for me, it was the lack of sources, like corroborating this, that made me be like, how are people buying into this so quickly? Because if you looked at the people that were backing this up on Twitter and Instagram, I wouldn't say it was one single legitimate source. I know. And the other thing about it was that we were talking about Amina Muwadi here. She's not some random person. This is a very well-known and well-respected designer. And I know I was saying earlier that her connection to ASAP and Rihanna maybe fed these rumors. And on some level, I think that it did because she wasn't a totally random celebrity. She's somebody who's known to work with them. People know that she has a relationship with ASAP. But to me, I think this, like if, if I was predicting it, I would have thought the rumor could have spread more like wildfire if there wasn't even an identity given. If it was some random woman that didn't really have a social presence, wasn't really well known, I think that's a story that you can run with more easily. Whereas this one, I was shocked even given who this woman was that it just took off like this. I think people love mess more than anything else. And as soon as there's 
especially with cheating rumors, as soon as it's somebody that's somewhat well-known rather than a random person, it makes the situation a million times more messy. I mean, think about Jay-Z and Beyonce. I mean, we have spent years, years trying to figure out who he cheated with, who, quote, Becky with the good hair is, the Rachel Roy rumors, the Gwyneth Paltrow rumors that even people gave validity to, which were absolutely insane. Like, people love mess and people love mess when they know everybody involved. So I think that you're right in the sense that it may have even lasted longer on the internet had it been a completely nameless person because then the person can't come out and defend themselves and you don't have the rumor being shut down from the other side. But I think that it took off like wildfire in the way it did and people were so quick to believe it because they had a name behind it. Totally. And also imagine not only from Rihanna's perspective, even if she knew there was no truth to it still, I think it's kind of jarring when you have the entire internet saying something. But second of all, from Amina's perspective, I mean, she wakes up in the morning and she didn't say this specifically in her statement, but I am sure based on knowing the way the internet operates, she had thousands of death threats, I would have to imagine. I'm sure her inbox was overflowing with the meanest shit you have ever heard. Because like I said, Rihanna being one of the most adored celebrities in the world, most of the time is a beautiful thing. But to be on the flip side of that is not such a great spot to be in. So I don't know, it's just a lot of psychological damage, even if temporary for something that was so clearly fabricated. That's also why rumors like this are so dangerous because it's not like you know, they get put to rest and everyone moves on and people forget about it. And they just are like, oh, yep, that wasn't true. Like time to move on with our day. Like there are people that will forever believe that rumor. There are people that will, at least for the next couple of weeks, be in their DM really holding on to the fact that they think that's true. Not everybody just moves on right away. So it's, it, it's so dangerous when you put information out there like that without any sort of, any sort of evidence. It, it's so irresponsible. Also, by the way, POV, your ASAP in all of this, which is a perspective we haven't even considered. And I think he is very aware of the position that he holds here. I think that he recognizes who Rihanna is and how lucky he is to be with her. And I think he's also aware of the fact that a large majority of the public is almost preying on his downfall. And I say that jokingly, but, you know, there's this general sense of kind of like, nobody is good enough to be with Rihanna and we know that he's eventually going to fuck up. And so he probably wakes up and is like, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> I know. Also, by the way, POV, you're Drake and you're already drafting the no need to respond. No one's good enough for you. I'm not saying it's me. I just needed you to know that. <laughs> I know for Drake, it was probably such a letdown once TMZ came out with the official confirmation that it was false. Not because he wants any harm or mental anguish for Rihanna, especially during her pregnancy, but goddamn, do you know how quickly he was going to try to slide in? I think he just wanted any excuse to talk to her. I don't know what you and I did before POV came into our lives. I don't know how I told a joke before that phrase. Like, it's so important to me to be able to say the words POV. When did it come into our lives on a frequent basis? Because obviously we've always known what it means, but when would you say that we really started to use it constantly? I would say, I mean, if I had to think about it, I would say sometime after TikTok came because you had people doing those like quote POVs that were really easy to make fun of. And then I think we just took that as a term and ran with it, but it may have even been before. It's always hard to trace down like where when you started saying something. And also it's hard to trace down because originally you say something like entirely jokingly, like making fun of the way the internet slang works. And then it becomes like part of your everyday vernacular and it's impossible to stop. I think I used to know of POV just in terms of like a porn context, honestly. You know what I mean? It was never, <laughs> I'm saying seriously, it was never this much of a part of my vocabulary unless talking about porn, I feel like. That is so funny and so classic. <laughs> I also just want to go back to Rihanna's Vogue cover for a second, because I think some of these rumors actually overshadowed what she did say about ASAP in the piece. So she was interviewed by Kiyominati, and they talked about a bunch of things, fashion, pregnancy, life in general, but I want to read specifically the part about ASAP. It reads, if there's one person on the planet who can match the risks she takes with fashion, it's Rocky. Quote, like iron sharpening iron is how Rihanna describes their style rapport. The rapper, who was friends with Rihanna for years before they were romantically linked, described her in GQ last May as the love of my life. I think when you know, you know. Which you remember, we talked about that at the time. Right. But none of this was smooth for Rihanna. Quote, people don't get out of the friend zone very easily with me, she says. And I certainly took a while to get over how much I know him and how much he knows me, because we also know how much trouble we can land each other in. 
Some of us will recall exactly what kind of trouble she means, starting with our first encounter at the VMAs in 2012, when Rocky joined Rihanna for a performance of her hit single, Cockiness. Midway through the performance, as they were dancing side by side, Rocky pulled a surprisingly cavalier move. Quote, he grabbed my ass on stage. That was not part of the rehearsal, she says. I was like, what are you doing? Her team braced themselves for an upset Rihanna. Instead, she let it go. Quote, my manager was like, oh God, she must like this guy a little bit. She never lets this shit slide. Gradually, Rihanna let her guard down and things became serious when the world went into COVID lockdown. He became my family in that time, she says. Part of it was an epic road trip they took in summer 2020 from LA to New York. Meandering across the country on a big tour bus, they were able to get away from the glare of the public eye. They'd park and Rihanna would grill barefoot while Rocky tie-dye t-shirts picked up at the gas station. Quote, I cooked our food on this little janky grill I bought from Walmart, she remembers. I still have it too. It works like nobody's business. No matter where they stopped, they always had fun. Quote, I love the simple things, but I also like the grand adventure, she says. There's no pretentious my brand, your brand bullshit. It's just us living, she says of their existence together. I just feel like I can do any part of life by his side. By the time the holidays rolled around, she was ready to bring him home. Barbados had been closed to visitors for much of that year, and Rihanna was dying to see her family. Now she knew she'd have company. Quote, it was us who were going home, she says. We were going home. Her mom, according to Rihanna, is usually a tough nut to crack, but she warmed to Rocky right away. My mother has a really good read on people. She observes first, and then she'll move slowly. I guess I'm like that too, she says. There are some guys that I've dated that she won't even look at to this day, but she was charmed by him from the jump. I asked Rihanna what she loves most about their relationship. As if on cue, her phone starts to buzz. It's Rocky on FaceTime. She turns the camera around to give him a view of the scene. They exchange I love yous before hanging up, their ease and warmth palpable. Quote, what I love the most about us, transparency with everything. How we're feeling, what our goals are, what our fears and insecurities are, the vulnerability to be able to say what you feel about each other. (laughs) Wait, that just made me so happy. I'm like obsessed with them. (laughs) Vogue articles have that ability where you can kind of be like, yeah, I like this couple. And then they describe it in such a way where you're like, I am this couple's biggest fan. But just the visual of Rihanna and ASAP stopped outside of the tour bus while she's grilling on a Walmart grill and he's tie-dyeing shirts that he got from the gas station and they're both barefoot. That is a visual. What would you do if you were driving and you saw that? That's what I was going to say. How were there no photos of that? I need footage of that. That's like the greatest thing I've ever heard. And I was so happy that we got that acknowledgement of like making it out of the friend zone, quote unquote. We've we've been so caught up with Travis and Courtney making out of the friend zone. We forgot to try and figure out this piece of information. I know, but that's because we were so confident that we were going to get it from the show. Whereas I didn't think Rihanna would give it to us in this way, but I'm so grateful that she did because that was a very clear depiction of exactly what took place. I know. You know what else? You know how we always say like with certain celebrities, you can always tell how um, public they're going to be with after the baby's born based on how public they are during their pregnancy. I wonder if that will be the same thing because obviously Rihanna has embraced this pregnancy look like, and she talks about in the article, like she was like, I'm not shopping in a maternity section. Like this is my fashion. And she's embraced that so well. And it's become such a thing. I wonder if this was just strictly a fashion thing. And when the baby's born, it's going to be more private or she's going to continue that. Well, I actually just want to read this one other excerpt from the Vogue interview because I think it kind of maybe gives a little bit of insight into what you're talking about. So it reads, like everyone else in the world, I'm also curious to know if they've been planning to have a baby. Quote, planning? I wouldn't say planning, but certainly not planning against it. I don't know when I ovulate or any of that type of shit. We just had fun, she says. And then it was just there on the test. I didn't waste any time. I called him inside and showed him. Then I was in the doctor's office the next morning and our journey began. Along with maternity genes, she has a list of other pregnancy do's and don'ts, starting with the baby shower. Quote, no brunch, no blush tones, and no animal-shaped nothing, she says, shaking her head. I mean, it's lit for a lot of people. I've even planned a couple of baby showers like that myself. It's just not right for me. Personally, I want a party. I want everyone to be plastered and crawling out. And it's got to be co-ed. Don't put me on no wicker chair somewhere with gifts at my feet where everyone is staring at me. A gender reveal party is off the table, too. Quote, I asked my doctor, is something wrong with me for not wanting this? Because people keep asking me, am I a bad mom? When we're ready to tell the world, we'll just tell them. And that last line to me kind of speaks to what you were talking about in terms of, I don't know how open she's going to be with it. However, I think the style in which she shares whenever that is and however much that will be, will be significantly more casual than maybe what we're used to seeing from somebody of her magnitude of celebrity. 
When you read that out loud, I'm, and even when I read it myself, I'm just reminded of how much I love her. Like, I, you know what? When I hear that, I'm like, this is why the whole internet went to bat. Like, this is why people love you. Celebrities aren't like this anymore. Like, she's so real in the way she speaks, and she's so funny without trying, and she's so Rihanna. Like, when I'm hearing you speak, I'm like, oh my God, I am obsessed with her. I know. And I think it's because it is so rare for somebody this famous, who is aware of how famous they are, who's so talented and respected in various industries, music, fashion, business, makeup, you name it, to still be able to speak so casually about major life events in their life and have it not come across as performative. And I'm trying to think as I'm talking of another example, and I can't think of one off the top of my head, but this is so not it, but just follow me for the general vibe. I think you'll know what I mean. When I think it was Kendall Jenner was doing her architectural digest spread and she's talking about being in her art room and she's like, yeah, you know, me and my friends are just kind of nerds. We just have these chill wine nights. The internet took that and ran with it because even though she was serious and she wasn't trying to be performative, it just came across like, yeah, right. Whereas Rihanna can talk with such casual nature about things and it somehow just makes sense. Right. And I think what it is even more than that is when you are a celebrity of a certain caliber, I think that there's this general idea that you have to like abandon any ounce of relatability or like you have to be so untouchable. And so you see these celebrities on this insane magnitude where it's like, they're not talking to you like you're their friends. You're, they're not interacting with you on social media. They're not giving these casual interviews. Not that Vogue is in any way casual, just the tone of the way that Rihanna is speaking, it's not overly serious by any means. She's talking about one of the most serious journeys in life and she still has such a specific Rihanna touch to it. And so I think that we're so not used to those two things being able to be combined. I mean, when you think about Rihanna, you think about her businesses, her music, the fact that she is a billionaire, but you also think about the fact that she has had really funny moments on social media and that she is obsessed with the housewives. And so I can't think of another celebrity where those two things combine so effortlessly. The only one that I can maybe think of is like if Jennifer Lawrence had social media and we were able to see that side of her, but because she doesn't, she is then kind of transported into the too serious of a celebrity category, even though that's not her personality at all. Rihanna lets her personality lead and then everything else kind of follows. I mean, think about any other celebrity as famous as Rihanna when being asked about getting pregnant, saying, quote, I don't know when I ovulate or any of that type of shit. We just had fun. Like that is the coolest, best answer ever. And I think that so many other people would have their publicist right next to them, would make sure that they were never saying anything remotely like that. And I think that just contributes to her likability. Exactly. That's not something you can fake. That's just who she is. Totally. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. 
No bleach, no dyes. Plus, it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, next up, we naturally need to give a follow-up to the Ben J-Lo engagement that we spoke about last week via her on the J-Lo newsletter. You like that inflection, Julie? Can you please do me a favor? Like, it's it's so important to me that you do this. I need you, from your perspective, to take me through step-by-step step what happened when you saw that come in through your inbox, when you saw an On the J-Lo update right there in the inbox, a brand spanking new update. What did you think it was going to be? You know, I really thought that it was going to be this because I believe the subject was something like how it happened or how it went down. And I felt so validated on JLo's behalf that she was giving us the information from the newsletter that you doubted that she would give us. Like, I wanted her to get the play-by-play because I wanted you to know that this is the type of content she presents in the newsletter. Don't do that to me because I (laughs) never said, I never said this wasn't the content she gave. All I said was that the range of content she gives is so important to me. I know that this is the kind of content she gives because this is how she announced the engagement in the first place. Like, I know where the bar was set to. It's like, I'm already impressed by the newsletter. I was just saying that you never know what it's going to be. It could either be the explanation of how she got engaged, or it could be like (laughs) her favorite color again. (laughs) No, this was legit. And actually, as you were talking, I just pulled it up. Okay. It says, on the J-Lo, how it went down. That was the subject. And then it says, did you ever imagine your biggest dream could come true? Saturday night, while at my favorite place on earth, in the bubble bath, my beautiful love got on one knee and proposed. I was taken totally off guard and just looked in his eyes, smiling and crying at the same time, trying hard to get my head around the fact that after 20 years, this was happening all over again. I was quite literally speechless. And he said, is that a yes? I said, yes, of course, that's a yes. I was smiling so big and tears were coming down my face, feeling so incredibly happy and whole. It was nothing fancy at all, but it was the most romantic thing I could have ever imagined. Just a quiet Saturday night at home, two people promising to always be there for each other. Two very lucky people who got a second chance at true love. Green has always been my lucky color. And now for sure, it always will be. There was a green callback. Yeah. It's so funny to me. Like St. Patrick's Day in my mind ceases to exist. Anything that has to do with the color green is now a JLo specific holiday. By the way, it is. Wait, also, I just want to talk about this for a second because what she's saying, if this is how it went down in the way that it did, is that she was in the bath. Ben Affleck walked into the bathroom, got down on one knee and proposed. And I'm curious about the logistics there. You know, was he in the bath with her initially? He got out. Did he then get in the bath with her? Did she then get out? Was the floor wet? Like, I want to know all these little things. That's what I think everybody wanted to know because when we posted this on our story, I think every single person responded and was like, wait, so was he in the bathtub and got out when this happened? Like, was Ben Affleck naked when he proposed? Oh my God. No, I envision it as she was having a relaxing night in the bathtub. She probably had a few candles lit, not for any reason other than that's just how she takes a bath. I don't think that he purposely tried to make this a more romantic experience. In my mind, I envision that every time JLo takes a bath, there are just rose petals and candles because that's just the way that she does it. He knew she was in there. He walked in. He's kneeling on the side of the bath and then he proposes. The real question, I guess, is the aftermath. Did he get in the bath with her or did she get out? I would say if we're going based on what already seems like a rom-com setup, she pulled him into the bath fully dressed. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Unless he was maybe in a robe, who knows? <laughs> you you know what? I hope he proposed in a robe. You know what's <laughs> funny is everyone being like, "Is was he naked when this happens? Like, if there is one thing you don't want is for somebody to come out of the bathtub and still be naked and propose to you. You know, I I don't think that's how it would go down. Let's just quickly go through the scenario that he was in the bathtub with her. He got out and then proposed. I think he would definitely, if I know Ben Affleck, do the towel wrapped around his waist move. I was going to say, I think that the towel is preferable actually to anything else. I mean, to me, no guy is hotter than with a towel wrapped around their waist. And that's not like just a guy that has six pack abs. I don't even like that shit. No matter what your body type, I love a guy with a towel wrapped around their waist. 
I agree. That's the look. The way that I feel though is like there's no way he got out of the bathtub. Like that is such a stressful situation to be like sitting in there and it's like, okay, wait, I'll be right back. Like he definitely had to come in while she was in there. Yeah. And I guess he felt safe because obviously if she's taking a bath, the drain is closed. Yeah, yes, that, that's a good point. Although it's still a risky spot to propose in. I don't know. But you know what? That ring was not falling down an open drain anyway. No, it would, it would get stuck. And what a flex. By the way, that is a flex. You have no problem proposing over an open drain because you know the ring will not fit down it anyway. Uh, yeah. When JLo takes off her ring to wash her hands in the sink, she probably doesn't close the drain. There's no concern there. That is when you know. That is the threshold now for engagement rings. Do you think they'll ever find a house? Oh, I, thank you for bringing this up. Okay, so as we know, they were in escrow on that Bel Air home. $50 million, 20,000 square feet, 10 bedrooms, 17 bathrooms. I know we went over this multiple times. There was a theater, a gym, the whole nine. Apparently, they decided that it wasn't for them. We don't know the reasons, and they stepped away from it. So they've been looking at various different homes. I, I know there was just a photo of them looking at one that was even more expensive than 50. So I don't know what the deal is there. They were looking in Kylie's neighborhood too. But you know what? We, we were discussing this last night. We think that the On the JLo newsletter should have a voting component. They should update it and upload pictures of the houses, full Zillow tours, and we as subscribers should get to vote. I would subscribe to the fuck out of that series. You already do. <laughs> no, but I'm saying forget about in a newsletter form. If celebrities did this, like a hypothetical world and there was an interactive component, typically I'm not the one that's going to take the extra step to go vote. It's just not in my character. I'll watch it. I love to observe, but I'm not going to go onto a website or go on an app just to press vote. I think that I would if there was this type of a component, like a house hunting with engagement type thing. That would be my dream actually. Anyway, so that's the update there. And uh, I don't know, we'll keep you guys posted. You know how much we're living for the shit. Wait, you know, we didn't even talk about. What? Did you see the video of them that I think TMZ posted where he's getting out of the car and she's coming to meet him and they're like making out outside of the car? Yeah. And he, she like arches her back against the car. I died. Yeah, died. And it's so funny because so many people sent it to us and they were like, oh my God, they're so putting on a show. It's so annoying. And to me, I'm like a thousand percent they are putting on a show and I love every second of it. I'm eating this shit up. Here's the thing that I never understand about this. If there is a celebrity and they're putting on a show and the show is so harmless and so entertaining, what do you care if it's a show or not? It's still for our entertainment. I will embrace that every single time. Well, it's funny because a few weeks ago, or maybe last week when we were talking about the Kardashians on Kimmel, and we were saying how Jimmy was asking Kim about the Aladdin skit, and he said something about you know the rug, and she said, yeah, I actually do have that rug because Pete got it for me for Valentine's Day. And we were talking about how much we love getting that piece of information. And someone messaged us and said something, and they said something to the effect of like, I, I just wish you guys wouldn't act like this wasn't pre-planned. You know, like, of course, Jimmy asked that question because of course Kim was going to say that. They talked about that before they went on, something like that. And to me, I'm like, of course, no part of me thinks that that just happened. She just happened to reveal that or Jimmy just asked her that question. Of course, in my mind, that's what they talked about before he asked that question purposely. I just don't care if it was planned or not because we still got the information. I think one of the most important things that I've learned is that if you are somebody who loves pop culture, but also specifically uses pop culture as a means of escapism, the thing that you want to avoid the most is pulling back the curtain too much. Like, as soon as the other side of it gets revealed to an extent where you can't look past it, it no longer becomes that amount of fun. You can't look at it any other way than like the information you know. And so obviously we all get information and behind the scenes stuff of what's going on and varying degrees of that. But it is so much more fun to either ignore that fact or not seek it out because you enjoy things so much more when you can just either pretend that you're getting the most authentic view of like what's happening or the most spontaneous in the moment view of it. Or like you just don't have to know that information at all. I enjoy things so much more when I don't have to think past what I'm getting at face value. Totally. And there's definitely been situations where you and I have seen some shit that we're happy we saw, but it's definitely not something we want to become a steady diet. Right. I mean, and there's obviously things that you don't want to become entirely naive to. Like everything requires, or like most things require like a certain amount of critical thought process, but there's a lot of things that just simply don't. Yeah. If, I think that if you 
use this stuff as your form of escapism, bliss is welcomed. I'll say that. Yes. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Also, I know this isn't technically a news story, but what you just said kind of reminded me of this, and I think it's a pretty seamless transition. Obviously, Coachella was this last weekend, and... I think for me, having TikTok totally changed the way that I consumed Coachella content because I feel like I was getting so much more of a behind the scenes. Well, here's the thing. Again, you're right. Like the pulling back the curtain changed everything, especially in terms, not everything, but I think that it changes in terms of the way you feel about whether you want to be at Coachella or not. Like there's two types of people in the world. There's the person that watches all of the content of Coachella and they're like, I have so much FOMO. I would do anything to be there. And then there's the other person that's like, God damn, I love this content. I have no interest in this being me right now. Right. And personally for me, I am a massive proponent of not yucking someone else's yum. Like if this is what makes you happy, fucking do it. Because God knows there are some things that I find enjoyable that a lot of other people wouldn't. But for me, I was so much more of the latter of like, wow, I am so happy to be able to see this stuff, but I'm also so happy to be able to consume it from a distance. I mean, here's the thing also, like there's only one way to perfectly consume Coachella content in order to like really appreciate it. And that's through the eyes of Vanessa Hudgens. How happy were you for her that she had her moment? The queen was back. She (laughs) returned to her kingdom. And I can't tell you, like it was my greatest joy seeing her in her natural habitat. I was, it, it was perfect. When they say nature is healing, this is what they're referring to. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the actual performances, those looked incredible. And I can't even imagine what it was like being there in person. Of course, most famously, Harry Styles bringing out Shania Twain, but we had Billie Eilish bringing out Khalid, Doja Cat, Meg Thee Stallion. It was packed. And I'm sure that was a very rewarding experience. Personally, for me, I think a big change this year, and I really will credit it to TikTok, is the fact that I don't think I was ever that aware or maybe even just ever that curious about the logistics associated with Coachella. I hadn't thought about it. Where are you staying? How are you getting there? What's the Uber situation? What's the weather situation? Is there a lot of walking? Like I hadn't thought about those things. And I think just consuming the content with that in mind was really interesting. 
No, it is. I mean, it gives you an entirely different view. The one thing that I hadn't thought about, because I had thought about all of those logistics. Like if I walk into a room, the first thing I'm thinking about is where's the nearest bathroom? When I think about Coachella, that is an immediate concern that I had that just like, especially when I see the crowds and the ability to get out of them to go to the bathroom, like it's all I thought about. The thing that I hadn't thought about that, you know, TikTok really showed me was the difference in dress between day and night. You're so hot during the day and then it gets so cold at night in the desert. And then you don't go home in between. You're there the entire day. And it's like, what jacket do you bring? You don't want to hold a jacket all day. It's like, to me, that would be it. Like the idea of having to figure out day to night wear is, is where I have to draw the line. Yeah, I think the outfit situation in general would be kind of overwhelming for me. Although I love seeing what other people are wearing. Like I could watch that shit all day. But the other thing that I found really interesting was the way that the brands have integrated themselves because previously, of course, there was always brand involvement and on some level it was always an influencer event. But now the way brands are thinking of how they're going to present themselves is so much more in terms of what type of content can people create with this? Because previously it was really Instagram as the focus, whereas now TikTok is one of the main focuses. So when they're putting together these activations, they're doing it so much with how will this appeal visually in video form? You know, what can people do with this? And I loved watching that and the different setups of all that. The behind the scenes is fascinating. It really is. Whether it makes you want to go or not want to go or whatever feeling you have as a result of it, to me, just to watch it unfold is like some of the best content ever. I lived for that. Like everybody's influencer, get ready with me. What outfit am I going to wear today? Like, let me show you around this event. Let me show you around this thing. What I ate in a day, what I drank in a day. Like that stuff is like my favorite content in the entire world to consume. So if you went to Coachella and you had to deal with the logistics of like all of the behind the scenes stuff that is not as fun, but you put forth your sacrifice to bring me that content, I am forever indebted to you. Yes, I am very appreciative because there's a very small percentage I experience it myself, but God, could I watch that shit all day. All day. And I have to say, like, the videos of Harry Styles and Shania Twain, like, just Harry on his own. Like, obviously, Shania was such a, a, a huge moment of that set, but Harry in general, like, that was a moment where I was like, I don't necessarily want to be there, but I do feel like if you are there, you're watching history like unfold before your eyes and you're so lucky to be able to experience this performance in person. I think a lot of people, even if they didn't want to necessarily be at Coachella, had a hard time with like the rationalization of not being able to see Harry, which I completely understand. That's how I felt with Beyonce. Like I had no interest in going to Coachella. It wasn't even feasible for me to be able to go. I was in college, but the idea of not being able to see Beyonce perform live was just like, especially for that set, it was like, it was crushing for me. So if you felt that way, I so get it. I think I was just really fulfilled by the videos. It, it was, oh, I love my journey with Harry Styles. I love how I didn't get it. And now I've really come to get it. It's so much more fun getting it. So, oh my God, so much more. Yeah, I mean, I guess I technically would be considered a bandwagon fan because I wasn't in on the One Direction days and I wasn't even in early on his solo career. Not that anything against him, I just didn't fully understand the appeal. And boy, do I understand it now in a way that I almost wish I didn't. And honestly, it would have maybe even been overstimulating being there in real life. I completely agree. Something else that I think that you'll definitely agree with was it felt really comforting to me to see, and I know they weren't there for all of it, but to see Kendall, Kylie, Haley, and Justine Skye all there supporting Justin, doing like the Revolve couple of things at their house all together, like that's exactly what I needed. It felt right seeing them in that setting again. Honestly, for me, it was just nostalgic. Like I so vividly remember Kylie in her King Kylie era with blue hair at Coachella and all of those photos and going on Tumblr and Pinterest and seeing that shit. So yes, it felt right. I felt like Kylie passed the torch unknowingly down to Emma Chamberlain. Oh, I thought you were going to say to Alabama Barker. No, I... <laughs> God, now you're really getting me on a lot of things that I feel very <laughs> passionately about. I think it's a different type of way in terms of the torch being passed. With Emma Chamberlain, I feel like it's Coachella-specific. Like, Kylie had her King Kylie run. She met Travis, don't forget that, at Coachella and, like, rode off into the sunset with him and then paved way for a new generation to come. And then Emma Chamberlain, like, really led her, led her people to the promised land. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. But then with Alabama Barker, I feel like she's going to take the torch in a very different way, more in like the King Kylie makeup Tumblr era uh, kind of taking place online rather than like Coachella specific. 
something very interesting, and I know this is niche, but Alabama, who's obviously Travis Barker's daughter, is best, best, best friends with Jody Woods, who's Jordan Woods' little sister. They look identical, by the way. Jordan and Jody, the first time I saw them together, I was shocked that they weren't identical twins. Like, it's unbelievable how much these two sisters look alike. But anyway, you know, their friendship, at least from the outside, definitely appears to be very similar to that of Kylie and Jordan, just in terms of being inseparable. And it's so minor. I mean, I know we're talking about the best friendship of two 15-year-old girls, but it just shows you how small Calabasas really is. Well, I was thinking about that in terms of Stas on Call Her Daddy when she was talking about how she had met Kylie at Barnes & Noble. Wait, I actually really want to talk about that, but I haven't finished listening yet to the Call Her Daddy episode. But okay, backstory for anybody who's unaware, Stas, Kylie's best friend, was on the Call Her Daddy podcast. And what Julie's referring to is that Alex asks her about the beginning of her friendship with Kylie. And she says, you know, so you met Kylie at this fan event she was doing at Barnes & Noble. Like, how did the relationship develop? And Stas is like, what are you talking about? It wasn't a fan event. We were just both at Barnes & Noble on a Friday night because that's what we did when we were in middle school. We just hung out like at the Calabasas shopping center. And Alex is like, wait, what? Online, it says that you were there for a Kylie fan event, which I personally knew that that wasn't the case, but I remember reading that online at the time. So it is so funny that for all these years, so many people thought that that was the inception of their friendship. Meanwhile, they both just happened to be at Barnes & Noble. That was always the story that I heard. That was the first time listening to her say it on Call Her Daddy was the first time that I heard that wasn't the case. I was always sure that the story was that they met in like, not necessarily a, yeah, like a meet and greet type thing or like some sort of a book signing. Like I didn't think too much into it, but that was always the story that I had heard. That's always what I had assumed about their friendship. I thought that they were both there for a different celebrity's book signing. That is... That was my interpretation of it, but they were just there on a Friday night, which is so funny when you think about it. It's so interesting that a rumor that started so many years ago that like we all, first of all, believed because there was no reason not to. Like It's so funny that that came back around and we had forgotten about it or that had always been our view of it and that had always like, I wouldn't say shaped our view of our friendship, but if somebody were to ask me like, what's the deal with Stas, which which comes up all the time in conversation, I would have started with that. I would have said like, oh, it's really funny. Like she was actually kind of a fan. Like she met her at Barnes and Noble and it was like a, a meet and greet event. That's how I would have told the story up until seeing that interview. I'm happy for her that she got to kind of set the record straight that that wasn't the case. Yeah, me too. Because it's funny that like she clearly didn't even know that that was like the big thing that was being said, not the big thing that was being said, but like, that's what the story that everyone heard. And she had never heard that clearly. I actually really enjoyed listening to her on this just because I think I was so curious. And she speaks about how she never really does podcasts or interviews because she has a lot of anxiety when it comes to talking to people. She's like, I'm completely unfazed by paparazzi. Photographs don't freak me out. She's like, I'll do photo shoots. I don't care if people take photos. But for her, it really comes down to talking and being recorded. And she said she's so afraid that she's going to offend someone or something's going to come across wrong, or it's going to be a soundbite that is then taken out of context. And so you could tell as it went on, she was getting progressively more comfortable. But I mean, to hear her without, she didn't say it directly. She shouldn't say I had a BBL, but for her to talk about the surgeries and how she has had things done and she does regret them and all that stuff, I, I was just wild to me. Yeah, I was, I was, I've noticed that I hadn't really heard her speak or tell any sort of her story before. So it was interesting. And I imagine that that's a fear that a lot of people have, but is so amplified by being friends with Kylie. Oh, completely. I think that anybody who is that close friends and known for being that close friends with somebody that famous, you're just naturally going to be nervous. Even if you don't have social anxiety in the way that Stoss says she does, even if you are somebody who doesn't typically experience that, I think that there is just a pressure about knowing anything you say that even remotely relates to that person is going to be written up everywhere. Anybody would be nervous about that. Right. And then on top of that, you have the perception of like, especially when you're such good friends with somebody, you never want it to come off as like, it's a a relationship where you're using the other person. And I think that as somebody who's really good friends with specifically Kylie, I would say, or any celebrity, that's always going to be a fear when you put yourself out there and try to make a name for yourself as well. So I so understand that struggle of like wanting to be your own person, but also like having to do so, so cautiously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm going to finish listening then maybe we can talk about it next time, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) 
Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink screens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so... I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it a little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, just a few things in the Kardashian recap this week. It's honestly not that stacked. But last week when we were doing the episode one recap and we said how in the season trailer, we see Kim calling Chloe to alert her of something. And our guess was that it was about the pregnancy situation with Marilyn Nichols. Chloe confirmed that that was the case to USA Today saying that it's filmed the moment Kim called her to say that Tristan had confessed to fathering a baby with Marilyn Nichols on Instagram. So what we see in that clip is literally Kim seeing the Instagram story and calling Chloe. apparently. I am so fascinated by that because I'm also replaying the timeline of events in my head from when that went down. And obviously, before he had confessed to that, there was a couple of days, it could have even been weeks prior to him admitting that on Insta story where the rumors were circulating. And so one of the things that Kim says in the clip is like, he's been lying to you this whole time. And I'm so curious if the he's been lying to you this whole time is specifically in regard to their relationship or if it's specifically in regard to him denying the rumors prior to admitting them. And I also, when he had put that Insta story up, I think one of the things you and I had said at the time was like, I imagine that this was sent to Chloe first, that she saw it before it went public, but we're now under the assumption that it didn't at all. So the the timeline here, which is something that we always say in regard to Chloe and Tristan, is going to be really interesting to watch play out. The idea of him posting a story without running it by Chloe, or forget about running the language by Chloe, for that to be the first she hears of it is actually too mind-blowing of an idea for me to really wrap my mind around. And and I know it's like nothing surprises you with this guy. I get it. But that is a whole new level of low. Whole new. And one of the things that we had spoken about when this first broke was you know, did Chloe find out with the rest of the world or was this a situation where he gave her the heads up and was like, listen, I I have to tell you like this is about to come out or like this is this is something that's happening. And it seems like she definitely found out with the rest of the world every component of the story. In this USA Today interview, she says, that was hard when you're hurt so many times, your reactions, your responses to the same thing happening over and over again, there's a numbing sensation to it, which is what we always talk about with her, that on some level, not that it doesn't hurt, but that she is seemingly numb to it. Right. Oh, so breaks my heart. Wait, the other thing, which I know we'll talk more about this in the actual episode, but 
last week when we were talking about this scene where Kim finds on Saints Roblox the crying thing of her and she finds out that it's about the second sex tape. We did not realize this until it was brought to our attention by TikTok and Twitter and just the rest of the internet. If you watch Tristan's face in that video, we posted this to our story, but I'm going to post the TikTok again in our description for anyone that missed it. If you watch Tristan's face when Kim says, Chloe, I need to show you this. I need to show you what I just saw. He is bugging out. And I so did not realize it when I was watching that, but he clearly thought this was about him because that motherfucker has been doing shady shit the entire time. And he thought he was getting caught on day one of the Kardashians Hulu barbecue. The internet detectives picking up on that was so good. Like I loved that moment of everyone realizing that in the aftermath of watching. I also have to say, it seemed like and I'm curious what you think of this, but it seems like from what I saw online in terms of like internet reaction to the show, it seems like it really did accomplish this resurgence of interest in the Kardashians. Like I saw so many people posting about watching the show. I saw so many people posting about like, if there's one thing about me, I'm going to keep up with the Kardashians. Like in a way that I hadn't seen in the past couple of years, even with the new seasons of Kardashians on E! Yes, I actually felt the same way. And I think it's because it felt so much less gimmicky than the E! show did. Whereas I think even your average person that only kind of consumes the Kardashians, let's say relatively peripherally, I still think they were getting information that they were interested in. Yeah, I think so too. Anything else you want to mention about anything? No, I just, I think that I love Easter and Palm Springs. I think Easter and Palm Springs is is more important to me than Coachella actually. Oh, the other thing that I want to say, thank you for reminding me, is that obviously on Thursday's episode, we were talking about the Scott situation and the reaction was so split. It was fascinating to read people's opinions. I mean, some people understood where we were coming from. Some people totally didn't understand. Some people fiercely disagreed. Some people fiercely agreed. And to me, I just feel like I'm an observer. Like I definitely feel like I could hear a really good argument and that could maybe change my opinion. I think there's some parts that I will still firmly agree with. So I was just loving watching people's reaction to the Scott situation and knowing that like, I really just feel like a spectator and I'm willing to change my opinion. And I felt, honestly, can I tell you what I really felt? Yeah. I know sometimes when we give our opinions on this type of thing, we're like a little afraid because people can be really mean in the way that they react. Like even if their opinion differs, even if it's not something that serious. And I think what I was so delighted by was we were super transparent. We said how we felt. We said, people may disagree. This may be objectively wrong. This is just how we feel. And I felt like even the people that expressed how they disagreed, they did it so kindly. Like I wasn't stressed out reading the DMs. People weren't mean. And I think it's because they got that we were saying like, we don't know if we're right. This is just how we feel. Don't bite our heads off. And everybody got that. And it was such a good feeling to have like healthy conversation. You know what I mean? Totally. Like I am so interested by everyone's view of the situation because it is really complex. I'm not changing my opinion on it, but I am interested in what everyone has to say. But it is interesting because the one thing that I will say that I had a slightly altered opinion on is obviously the thing that made you think of the Scott thing was that I said Easter and that was the event last year where we realized that Scott wasn't there. Like that was the first big family event where we were like, oh my God, Scott is not in attendance at this. And again, he wasn't there this year. One of the things that I was thinking about was like, it would have been incredibly awkward for Scott to stay in the house while they were all there celebrating Easter. Although I'm not bending in the fact that I do think that like he could have gotten a day pass. So (laughs) I'm not changing my mind, but I am willing to like alter certain perspectives of it. Yeah, I just think hearing it from different angles is very interesting. And there are some things that I feel firm on, but also who knows, as it evolves and the situation evolves and we see more, maybe our perspectives will change a little. I don't know. Or maybe they won't. Who knows? It was just fun to like dissect it with people. Absolutely. Yes. My favorite thing in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I want to make one housekeeping note, which is As of right now, we don't have the screeners for the show. So like this week, let's say it drops at midnight like it did last week. We literally watch it at midnight and Julie woke up at 6.30 and spent three hours doing the outline. So like the absolute earliest we could ever record it is Thursday morning around 11 once we get everything settled. And we only have until six or seven at night with our producer and like, you know how our editing process is. So I can't promise you that the Kardashian episodes will come out on Thursdays. We're really trying. Last week, it was like a fucking grind. We extended it an hour with our producer and we got it up, but there's a chance that it will have to go up on 
Friday mornings. So we're going to see, we're going to figure it out, but I feel like I just need to say that just to be super, super, uh, just to manage expectations. Thank you for saying that. That was important to me. <laughs> I know it was important. Julie was so stressed with the outline. She was like, I, but you fucking killed it. Thanks, kid. <laughs> okay, we love you guys. We will see you later this week for Bravo and Kardashians. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.